FM A-League show. It's fantastic to have your company this Thursday, the 30th of July. I'm your host, Lucy Dellis. It's a pleasure to welcome a series of special guests on our show today. But before we get to them, hello to you, my colleague uh, over at SBS, Nick Stoll, AK Stolich, joining us from his living room. Stolich, how are you, son? You well? I'm very good and I'm very excited for today's show and for our guests. That's the main thing. We have a massive panel of guests here today, and by massive I mean it might not certainly be in numbers, but I'll tell you what, the strength of these characters is through the roof. It's a very, very special welcome to former A-League player and such a beloved figure here in Australian football, the great and legendary Marcos Flores. Marcos, welcome. How are you guys? Thank you for having me. Oh, we're so delighted to see you. Tell us quickly, Marcos, how are you? How have you been? Where are you at the moment in Australia? I'm I'm living in Adelaide, guys. I'm enjoying enjoying Adelaide. It's been so far really great here in the state. Um, and yeah, I'm really getting into into the routine of coaching every day now, from zero to to a lot. So I'm enjoying. You know how how much in love I'm with the game. So I'm really enjoying this time. Well, we're looking forward to chatting to you about your football journey, where things have taken you over the past couple of years since I certainly last saw you at the Russia World Cup in 2018. So there's so much good news, of course, that you have to share with us as well. But in the meantime, alongside you, it's a very, very special welcome to a great uh, friend of ours here at the World Game, uh, Simon Cox, Western Sydney Wanderer striker. Coxie, a pleasure to see you, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How's things? Oh, things are great. I can see that you're joining us from your car here. Obviously, we're keeping you from <laughs> getting somewhere or getting to something, but we're delighted that you could make the time to chat to us. Coxie, we want to start with you, of course. Um, it was finally great to see the Wanderers resume their season after so much time spent away from the game. It wasn't certainly the result that you were after, but you managed to do the business off the bench and score an all-important equaliser. But, but talk us through your sentiments around the game, because as a Wanderers fan, you know, I was telling you earlier up there that I was a little bit worried about that performance what were the feelings like amongst yourself and the team and, and certainly the coaching staff yeah obviously it's our it was our first game um back from uh lockdown so we knew there was going to be a little bit of rust uh running through the team but ultimately we saw it as a game that we wanted to go out and win um and sort of get back to where we were before before lockdown um that wasn't to be and and we were able to get a result it wasn't the result like I said we wanted but hopefully we can we can build on that and uh and get a positive result on Friday night Mm, it's certainly something that you're chasing but I want to kind of rewind time now and go back to that period when you finished the game against Sydney FC that was the last game that you played before the other night against the Mariners and all of this no thanks to the pandemic which kicked off in March towards the back end there you made the decision of course to, to head back home was there a period there Coxie where you thought oh I don't know if I'm going to come back because we've seen a number of foreigners decide to leave and not return to see out the remainder of the competition but talk us through the process and, and, and what went through your mind that time yeah look I was uh sat in my apartment uh in the city and I didn't know whether to stay for a couple of extra weeks um but as soon as they said that the uh, season wasn't going to continue I was like look I need to go home I need to go and see the family and, and make sure everybody's okay at home so I was able to get home for it was about three months or so in the end um which is longer than I would have normally had if uh, if it had just been the off season. Um, but to answer your question, yes, there was a chance. There was always a sort of niggling feeling in the back of my mind of about coming back. But 
I was always hopeful that we would be able to uh, to get the season back up and running and, and be able to finish it. I understand people's um, desire to come back and I understand people's opinions to, to not come as well because ultimately you've got to look after your family and your own best interests. So family, in my eyes, comes first. Football is just a complete secondary uh, thing to, to family. And what did you do during that period to sort of stay fit or to stay focused? And because and, there was so much uncertainty around whether or not the competition, in fact, was going to resume. So throughout all of this, I think my feelings were with the players and the staff of the clubs the most because you guys were, were so, in, you know, intensely affected by this because you just didn't know what was happening. No, that, and, that's, and that was the thing I found really difficult is not knowing when or, or at what date we were going to come back. So I decided that as soon as we finished the season, uh, the finished the Sydney FC game, I didn't kick a ball until I came back and uh, and started training again. So And I made that decision purely based on, I've never had three months off uh, from football, from training, from games, anything. So I decided to relax, enjoy myself with the time with the family, um, go and play, play some golf, um, you know, enjoy enjoy myself while I while I could. Um, but then, as soon as I found out that we we were coming back and there was a date in place for me to come back, that was when the sort of serious head um, came back on and made sure that I was in the right frame of mind to come back. And what was that training period like? Obviously, it would have varied from club to club and the time that you all had with one another. But um, you know, how intense was that sort of mini pro season? Uh, I mean, for me, obviously. Bearing in mind, I had to spend two weeks in isolation in a hotel room, so that was that was hard. As soon as I came out, I was I was obviously behind everybody else because they'd been an extra week or ten days ahead of me. So that that obviously made it difficult for me having to catch up. Um, but the guys at the club are, have been fantastic. They understand that you can't just put a cone in each corner of the uh, the training ground and say run around there and get around there as quick as possible it has to be structured enough for you to be able to to get in you know a good uh, amount of pre-season running as well as doing the uh, the football side of things and you can't just burn out because they understand you've been in the hotel for two weeks so it, it made it difficult but you know I think we got there in the end which is nice and pre-season is something that no player enjoys. <laughs> before I um before I yeah we can see Michael still shaking before I um bounce over to you Stolish though with a couple of questions for Coxie and we go through the game in more detail against the Mariners the other night um I want to ask you because I mean poor Simon Cox since you've arrived in the country you've gone through such upheaval and the A League has been what we like to call A League because from arriving you obviously came under the guise of Marcus Babel who brought you across and then not long after that he was sacked moved on uh, JP came in in a, in a caretaker role then COVID hit then you went back home came back to Australia and. And then there was still uncertainty around who was going to be the coach. And then, of course, now they have given the role uh, to JP uh, for a short period of time there until I think it is the end of next season. But how has it been under him? And um, and what are the noticeable differences? Well, obviously, I don't really know too much of the differences between him and Marcus because uh, I never really got to work under Marcus. Um, but from everybody that at the football club, all the players that, that tell me about Marcus, he was very much a laid-back character, very much wanting to play a certain way. And um, whether we had the players to do what he really wanted is, you know, up, up for debate. But JP's come in. He's quite... 
he's quite intense, but he wants things done in a in a certain way. He wants people to you know play with smiles on their faces and um, and he's just basically put a lot more um, emphasis on enjoying football again. You know, we're all good players. That's why we're here and, and why we're at a club like Wanderers. Um, but we have to we have to be able to show that and show that with with a smile is something that I feel is some, like probably his main character, the, what he's brought into the into the players. So it's uh, it's been a very good. You know, he's had seven games um, and with one defeat in those seven games. I mean, that that says a lot about the kind of person he is. Solid to you. Yeah, uh, Simon, I wanted to talk to you about what it's been like, obviously, playing in winter. Uh, you know, obviously, you're a bit more used to that uh, from England, but it's a big change, I guess, for the A-League. And uh, maybe even, Marcos, you can tell us about the the challenge that he's playing in summer. But you played in summer earlier, and now in winter, does it feel more natural? Have, have the players been enjoying it more, you know, even at training and that kind of thing? You can't tell me that 18 degrees is winter. That's impossible. That's impossible. For us, for us, it's winter. For us. Give me 18 degrees any day in winter, no problem. Uh, (laughs) I I came over just after the bushfires and it was like 40 degree heat and trying to play, trying to play in the evenings when it was very, very humid was very tough. I found that really hard, especially when we went up to Brisbane and, and we had our defeat. It was you know, just a horrible, horrible humidity to play in. So this is like, this is wonderful for me. Uh, I feel like this is, this is perfect. Um, but it's uh, like, I, I'm happy with it. It's uh, obviously, I think they're trying to get to a position where maybe next season they mirror the uh, the Asian league. So it sort of sets it up quite nicely. Um, and Do if you think it will means, increase then, the quality of play? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like the intensity will go up in the games when, listen, you've got to realise with the break in between, players and teams are not going to be at the highest level they are. Uh, they can be. So if next season we sort of mirror that and we carry on in the in uh, in the winter time, um, then... <laughs> We uh, then you will see a, a higher tempo game and and higher intensity in terms of pressing and more runs forward and that sort of stuff because of you know it's not as it's not as humid and hit and hot. Um, you asked the question also to, to Marcos there, and I'm sure he could answer it. Marcos, you of course were a part of the A League uh, at the time where we have of course only a moment to be played during the summer. But just um, talk us through kind of the, the toll that it takes on a player and, and your body and recovery and why moving to winter is something that perhaps you may or may not advocate for. Yeah, well, coming from South America, coming from Argentina, um, we've got also uh, really, really areas where it can be really hot and areas where it can be really cold. Um so I didn't have much issues with it, but Jesus, when I arrived to Australia, um, it was a 10 or 15 of January, something like that, in Adelaide. I didn't know that Australia was so close to the sun, you know, um, and and <laughs> I couldn't even run. I couldn't even talk. And they said, like, oh, which is the number 10 that we brought, you know, to do? Um, <laughs> so the first... I remember the first the first warm up with Adelaide United. I couldn't I couldn't go to the corner and come back. So I said to the Brazilian mate Casio, 
I said, Cash, I'm too tired. Tell the tell the coach that I'm too tired. <laughs> so when I didn't finish the warm-up, they said, okay, this guy needs to go to boxes for two months. So I did that and, and then I catch up, I adjust my body and everything went well after that. But it was it was hard in the beginning, to be honest. And how's your body holding up now, Koska? Was coming back and doing this preseason and whatever and then being thrust back into football? How are you feeling? Yeah, obviously you get you get that uh, first initial soreness from uh, being back on the training pitch again and and the, the ground that's that's very hard over here. Um, because you don't get that that rain or the water uh, that that you do in the UK, but um, yeah, after the first sort of week, ten days, you get you get over that, and it's uh, the body seems seems fine so far. Touch wood. So what can we so what can we expect from the Wanderers uh, from this point out? Obviously, you know this is something where you'd have to wonder, sitting in ninth position uh, with four games to play, you'd be concerned about whether or not you'd be making finals. But what are the feelings like amongst the the playing group, and certainly what has JP and the coaching staff really pushed on to you guys for this last part of the season? Well, ultimately, our aim is to try and make the top six uh, and make finals. It's um, it's going to be tough because of the result the other night. Um, and I feel like we will probably need to get as close to maximum points as possible for the last four games. Um, like I said before, we kind of wanted to get off to a good start uh, against Central Coast. That wasn't to be. So now uh, it's about if we can, if we can sort of pick up from, from that game and, uh, and go into the Wellington game on Friday night, Friday night and win that one then that gives us a better chance. Ultimately, again, it, it, even if we get maximum points, it still might not be enough, but that gives us a better, better chance to, to make it than if we if we lost on, on Friday night. Um, one more question from me, and then I'll pass on to Stolich with any things to wrap up with you before we let you go. Um, I want to know, you've got another year left on your contract. Can we keep you? Because we'd love to have you and Bayer going forward. Yeah, look, I would, I would love to stay, but I think, that will ultimately come down to how next season finish, uh, next season starts, and what that that looks like. Um, until we sort of know what um, the FFA decide in terms of when contracts start and finish, and when the season starts and finishes, um, I can't really make a make a decision on that. I'm I'm contracted for next season, but at the minute. We just don't know what uh, what next season looks like. So until we know that, I can't really make a decision on that. But I, I wouldn't mind staying. I wouldn't mind staying for a couple of years if, if possible. But it's just the, the boys at the top need to get their act together and sort it all out first before I can stay. Yeah, they certainly do have a lot to sort out. I mean, our rumblings that we're hearing at the moment are that potentially the league could resume just before Christmas in December. So it's still yet to be decided. But like I said, we'd, we'd love to have you there. So if any last questions for Coxie before we let him go and get back to lunch? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. He looks like drive through today. Yeah, he could be in the Macca's drive through for all we know. <laughs> in the car park. If I was, I'd show you as well. Oh, no. <laughs> um, no, I just wanted to – I think we're going to show some of the highlights uh, of the game uh, on um, – against the Mariners. Uh, just talk us through that game. And, and it looked like you have developed quite a nice partnership with uh, Mitch Duke. Uh, is your relationship off the field good? Or there does seem to be a nice little partnership up front, uh, especially because the Wanderers have struggled with goals this season. Yeah, me, me and Duke, get on really well. So uh, it's it's somebody who I enjoy playing with. He um, He's very, very unselfish in his work rate. 
So it's uh, it's great to play alongside someone like that. He, um, listen, at the end of the day, he's, he's a top player. So playing with top players is always easier than than not. So uh, listen, we we try and we try and do as much work uh, together around the box as possible, and, and make sure that we can help each other be successful. What did he say about this tackle on Ziggy Gordon? Was he like, nah, there was nothing wrong with it? Did you guys give him a bit of cheek for it? I'll be honest. I think if VAR was still in in, uh, in effect, I think he could have been in trouble. But um, <laughs> but I'm not getting on the wrong side of Bozzer because he's uh, we've seen what, what, what's happening with him in the last few days. Uh, and can you also tell us about, you know, Wanderers are kind of known for producing some good young players. Uh, often they end up kind of going to other clubs as well. Just some of the younger players uh, in the Wanderers, is there anyone that you're kind of excited about or you think has a lot of potential uh, to go on? Obviously, you yourself have had a great career overseas. Um, but are there any players young in the squad that you're excited about? Yeah, I like uh, I like Tate. I like Tate Russell. I think he's he's very powerful going forward. He's he's somebody who, who likes or he likes to listen and learn as well. Um, and then listen, we've we've got quite a few at, at Wanderers. There's a young boy, uh, young centre midfield player that's that's not really been in the in the round it as of yet. But he uh, he played in a oh, couple. What of a the, what a goal yeah. this was, by the way! <laughs> Bang! Got, so what a pass header! Uh, the movement makes it. Uh, it's um, true, actually. It's true. Terrible defending yeah. from the Mounties at that point as well. Yeah, you can't stop quality it. like that, Lucy. No, that's, that's, what I've been, that's what I've been teaching Mitch. <laughs> got, got to try and teach Mitch a little bit more. Um, uh, well, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on our show today, Coxie. We really appreciate it. I mean, uh, you're such a delight to chat. Of course, you and I caught up before the pandemic and, and went through more detail in your career. Who's that kicking you behind you? Is that the driver? Dylan McGowan. Dylan McGowan with me. Hey, come back on the show, Dylan. You've only made one appearance. Come on, Dylan. You can't allow back. Oh, why <laughs> not? We want, we want you and your brother. We want you and your brother. Head to head. Uh, that's two big heads. That's two big heads. We're going to petition for that. We've got to make it happen. Guys, go and have your lunch. Um, like I said, an absolute pleasure to catch up with you, Cox. We wish you and the club all the very best for the remainder of the season. Keep up the good work. And we also hope that we'll see you post this A-League season as well because we'd love to have you back. You've been a great addition to the competition. So thank you so much, mate. All the best. Cheers. Thanks very much, guys. Take care. Ciao, Simon. See you later. Ciao, good luck. Great to have Coxie in a little cameo from McGowan uh, in the passenger seat there. Obviously, as they're going through drive-through to get some Maccas uh, as part of a healthy regime over at the Wanderers. Um, I want to give a shout-out to everybody tuning in for our uh, A-League program here today on The World Game. It's fantastic to have your company. We love your engagement. This is why we're here, because we enjoy chatting with you, our fans. I've seen some uh, regulars pop on already. Great to see you again, Ivan Straga, Nadia D. Tenace. Great to have your company once again. A-League memes, you guys are always welcome on this platform, as is everybody. So, Keep the comments and the questions coming. We are also delighted to have the legendary Marcos Flores joining us here. Um, thank you so much, Marcos. It's great to see you, that you're keeping well in what's been such an uncertain time for everybody. But tell me, what's new with Marcos Flores? How have you been? And, and, and talk us through your journey, particularly since you and I last caught up uh, for the Russian World Cup where you joined us for our coverage. Thank you, Lucy. I'm really happy uh, to be with you guys, with you, Nick, with you, Lucy. I'm, I'm sharing. I'm, I'm a friend of SBS. You remember when I was uh, in A-League, I used to be often with you. And, um, and, and yeah, it was a journey after I decided to 
uh, to quit the game at, at the age of 32. Um, I remember that I was on the top of the league in, in, in Indonesia with Bali United. Everything was great. I played 95% um, of the games and, and everything was perfect. And they offered me an extension con to, to extend my contract. And, and, and I decided to come back home for holidays. And, and that holidays of 2018, it hit me hard with a, with a heart attack with, for, for my father. Um, and literally after, you know, eight, nine years of traveling, playing soccer, professional football, chasing my dream, um, it, it, it took me away from my home, you know, it took me away from my family, from my par uh, my parents' birthdays, uh, from my birthday, 23 October, you know, being always far from everyone. And, and, and yeah, and, and I was always looking forward to finish my career, you know. Um, and when that thing happened, that I received a call suddenly that my father passed, I couldn't cope with this. I couldn't cope. I was in the airport in Buenos Aires, traveling to Russia. So I have to stay behind. My missus left by her own. Um, and yeah, and in 50 days, I fixed everything. Um, and I was too upset. I switched off my phone and and and, and football if football professional football died in me that day uh that's basically what happened and then and then i saw you i was super lucky to to share a time with you and craig with that enormous work that you did in the world cup yeah. one of the most amazing amazing things that i've seen um with the passion that you put it in um, with craig uh, you were hours and hours in in, in the kremlin of moscow I had the pleasure to be with you watching Russia and, and, and Uruguay, Uruguay. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and, and after that, I, I remembered that I, I realized that I, that I didn't want to play soccer anymore. And I decided to, to prepare my luggage with a soccer ball. And I started traveling to the streets of, of, uh, um, of, of the world. So I went to Israel, Palestine, Egypt, Kenya, Tanzania, Madagascar, South Africa, teaching kids in the street. Mm -hmm. um, it was a way of healing myself because I, I couldn't play, I couldn't train, I couldn't prepare myself for the next chapter in professional football. But I, I, I was angry with the game and it really scared me, really scared me to, to don't feel passion to play soccer to play mm -hmm. football. So I went to the streets to try to find a bath. And I mm -hmm. did because eventually I spent seven, eight hours in the streets of Tanzania, 10 hours in the streets of Madagascar, playing, 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 teaching, learning. And, and, and it changed my life, Lucy. It changed my perspective. Um, and with the company that I built three years ago, which is the playmakerstrainer.com, we created a platform to help kids to get engaged with the game. Um, and, and yeah, and, and we've been working so hard in, in silence, but, uh, but it's rewarding. I loved, I loved every second. Um, I can't, mm. I, I'm blessed, I'm blessed about it.
What an incredible story, Marcos. I can't tell you firstly how sad I was to hear about your father's passing. Um, Very, very awful news. And it's obvious that the, the toll it took on you personally, mentally, physically was a, was a very, very strong and impactful one. Can I ask you why you think, though, you started to have so much hate and resentment towards the game as a result of your father's passing, what the connection was between the two? Because emotionally, my father was in every single touch that I had with the ball emotionally i remember when i was a kid growing up I'm, I'm i'm playing in the in my first youth clubs i remember my father on the sidelines saying marcus enjoy the game he never said to me kick he never said to me pass he never said to me overlap somebody he used to all the time tell me marcus relax enjoy the game play just beautiful marcus just do that so when I actually was, I was wearing the jersey of Central Coast Mariners playing against Newcastle Jets. And sometimes seems to, I don't know, do some turnover. I was thinking about, I was thinking about that boys that said to me, enjoy the game, try again, try and again. And when I feel the loss of my father, I, I thought, how can I play football if I don't have that? that meant with me that because when i don't know when the things went wrong i give a call to argentina and, and my father was saying oh well, what is what what does it matter you know let's talk about the game marcus what could you do better what could and i didn't have that guidance anymore and um yeah the person that introduced me to the game the person that support me him and my mom yeah and being 10 years chasing my dream and counting days, you know, to see my my dad. And I only had the pleasure in 10 days to, to share 30 days with my father. Uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't cope. And and emotionally, football is everything, everything in the game, guys, not a matter if it is professional or amateur, it's all emotions. It's all about being genuine. And I was completely genuine in love with the game. But when my father passed, I got to, you know, I, I messed up my mind thinking that, no, I don't have a purpose to play anymore. Mm-hmm. But I was wrong. But what, 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 what could I do? I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. That is how my, my body and my mind react. Um, and when, when that thing happened to me, instead of being at home doing push-ups and waiting that the professional football uh, take advantage of me, telling me, Marcos, we're going to give you, you know, a, an opportunity to come. And I thought, no, I'm just going to go and play football in the street. Mm-hmm. And that was the best thing that I did <laughs> because I got completely madly in love to the point that I was playing seven, eight hours. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, how can I don't get tired? Because in professional football, we used to do 20 minutes uh, warm-up and I used to be dead. What is happening now? Because literally, Lucy, in the middle of the jungle in Tanzania, I was organizing 11 versus 11. And then I flew to Madagascar I, I, and Tanarivo, one of the poorest countries in the world. And mm-hmm. I managed to get into the prison of Madagascar and teach 120 under 18 prisoners. And for hours, and and seeing the and seeing the guards throwing the boat to the prisoners. Wow! 
Wow. And these things, you know, I did it without only with the purpose of just giving and learning, giving and learning, giving and learn. And I don't have excuses now when I coach. I, I now I'm I'm approached by different colleges here in Adelaide, and they said to me, Coach Flores, do you need how many bows do you need to coach ten? And I said, How many you have? And then we coach. When we're talking about funding, we're talking about things. Give me things so I can teach. No, no, no. With with the things that we got in Australia, we could do millions of things, but we need hours and commitment and love for the game, and love for the game. So I'm really happy. And this journey, uh, Lucy, uh, was was filmed by the friend, by the friend of mine, and. Uh, we got 15 hours of footage of, of wow. all this travesty. Um, and Australians producers, uh, Christy and Brad, they, they've been working on, on, on trying to deliver this message as the most genuine and honest, and honest escape and, and demonstration of love to the game, you know. Mm, wow, what an incredible story, Stolich. I'm going to defer to you in a moment, but I want to go to the comments um, here now. Jamboree Pub writing in. Hello, Jamboree Pub. Australia needs to embrace Marcos Flores. Um, I'd like to think we've done a very good job of embracing this man because he's always been such a beloved figure, but the stories that you have to share uh, are just absolutely wonderful. Ivan Stragan, another one of our top fans. Great to see you here again with us, Ivan. Thank you for sharing, Marcos. Very similar and this one's an interesting one, very similar to how Adriano collapsed from playing football yeah. after his father passed as well. So you're not the first footballer that speaks about the the dramatic and, and awful effects that it has from losing loved ones and the impact that your relationship with football has to take and manage in, in that situation as well. Um, Nadia Ditanas, uh, great to have you again, Nadia. How blessed we are to have you, Marcos. It's fantastic. Jamboree Pub Marcos is the Argentinian Johnny Warren evangelising the game and it's so good to hear that you fell in love with the game again from having played it along the streets of these uh, impoverished countries and, and sharing your love for the beautiful game with these children. But Stolich, I want to bounce over to you some questions for Marcos. Yeah, Marcos, I just want to say, obviously, thank you for coming on the show. But I think as we can see, you know, for everyone watching, what, what a great example of someone so eloquently and so passionately speaking about football in their second language. This is yeah. the other thing. I mean, I wish we could speak Spanish to you and and really feel it. Um, but I think, I think, you know, and the question, someone said we need to embrace um uh, you here in Australia. Well, you were one of my favourite players growing up by far. I think someone asked the question in the comments, uh, am I wearing the Adelaide United jersey to impress you? Definitely, 100%. Um, but I wonder now, you know, you're coaching Adelaide. Do you, do you feel like you're going to stay here a long time? Can we expect to see more of you in Australia? Because I think we as a country would benefit from you a lot. Thank you. And um, um, thank you very much. And um, and. Australia embraced me with only giving me the opportunity to be in the country. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a guy that I'm going to be always thankful to the A-League. I came when I was 24 years old and I, and, I, and I didn't have the strength to play professional football. Um, I was playing professional football before, but, um, but A-League complete me as a player. Um, I said in your show, Lucy, a long time ago, this um, um, when I came to Adelaide, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do more than twenty-five ups, you know, uh, or push-ups. I, I was uh, all, all about talent and um, I'm, I'm, I'm raw. And Australia em, embraced me 
they understood that I was genuinely in love with the game. When I was at Adelaide United, I remember that I'd been told uh, that I couldn't play um, in the parklands because I go into one under 15 uh, match um, uh, friendly uh, and I and two days after we needed to play against uh, Perth Glory. Um, I'm, 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 <laughs> football was in my, in uh, 24 years old, I wanted to play and play and play and I feel so happy so embraced, so good in A-League that in 35 games with Adelaide United, I I, I nearly show uh, the maximum of my potential. Um, um, and Australia embraced me without a, without a doubt. Um, in, every, in every place that I go, I get new friends. Not for what I did in the past, it's for who I am and what I want, you know, for, for the next generation. Um, or for everyone who comes who comes around me, you know, I just wanted to help as much as possible, because that is the way that we're gonna we're gonna help the next generation uh, to fulfill their dreams. Stolich. Uh, yeah, uh, Marcos, I wanted to ask, you know, obviously you had so many great uh, moments in the A-League and played at so many different clubs. What was personally just your favorite memory? The time where you were like super happy because i remember even hearing a story of i believe when you left a club you organized a kick around with the fans to say goodbye just things like that was just to me makes you a legend it doesn't matter what you do on the pitch that's just such a cool thing to do so what was your favorite happiest time the happiest time that i that i have in australian football without without a doubt was Adelaide united even if we finished third uh but was not just because of how I was feeling as an individual. Is that the players that I had around, they were, they were absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, when I actually went and received the awards of a Johnny Warren medal, I said that it was eighty percent of what the team makes me look, not how how how. Um, or, or, or of uh, I was, it was not my quality as a player because I, I felt that that I was not a, a great player. But I run with them, I looked awesome. I looked awesome. I couldn't make. I couldn't. Uh, uh, Travis Dodd. It was a South Australian, South Australian team. Travis Dodd. Pantelis, Conway, Daniel Mallon, and I can name you every single guy of that team. Matthew Lecky, um, Casio was four years already in the club. So this lineup of 2010-11, Lucy, seven players make the team of the decade. Yeah, wow. Wow. So I, I'm not just, uh, you know, uh, just saying words just to become a team player. No, no, no. It's seven players of that lineup become a team of the decade. So um, uh, Adelaide was a great, great, great uh, time, happy time for me. Central Coast Mariners, when I dubbed my knee, um, it was the most enjoyable time in the community. I done my knee. I was completely done. Yeah, uh, I I was training by myself. Um, the the fishers were on top of me. They were helping me, but I feel I felt it that you know that the the season was over for me, and mm-hmm. it was you know. But 
I spent every single minute at the park visiting the, the, the local clubs. And I know more about Wyoming Tigers in, in Central Coast Mariners than what I know from my club in Argentina. <laughs> um, I loved it, you know, and I loved it. Well, I, I just say, because I gave that example of uh, when you showed up uh, at the local park, well, there was one comment here from uh, Candace Hunter. Uh, that that was, was when he left. Yeah, you read, Lucy. Yeah, that was when he left Newcastle. I took my kids along. By far, one of our best memories in football. He's a gentleman. He spent so much time with the kids, gave away so much of his jet ski. I still have his jacket. Candace, it's so wonderful that you're here with us today to be able to share that memory. Um, Because listening to you tell that story, Michael, I'm thinking, how rare is it that we have a figure like this, a character like this in the competition? Um, You know, even by today's standards, I think that professional footballers, um, it's become a, a real job to them. So... For many of them, it's about turning up, doing what they have to do, playing their games, training, recovering, and then going home and being with their loved ones, which is fine. But to have someone like you actually go above and beyond, um, beyond his requirements um, at the club and to do things off his own back and to show so much passion for the game, um, you know, it, it's really, it's just wonderful. And, and you speak about authenticity and about being genuine. That's always come across with you, Marcos. It, it's fantastic. But you also have some wonderful news as well away from football. You're going to be a father. Yes, I am. I'm super happy. Oh, congratulations. As we say in Croatian, which is congrats, um, we're just so delighted. To what beautiful news. And your partner, she's pregnant with a boy, yes? A boy, yeah. yeah. We're going to have oh, a boy if, if God wants. Uh, on, a on future soccer. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he decides to be happy. It's the only thing that I want, you know. It's just to be happy to 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 definitely i hope that that he's passionate uh, um that 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 is the only thing and then he picked the sport or, or music um but but uh, as long as he decides um we're gonna guide him if god if god let us um to 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 decide to be happy mm. when 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 is your partner due when are we expecting baby photos? October, October, and nearly on my birthday. I think it's going to be there on my birthday, something like that. Isn't that beautiful? Wonderful gift from God and and potentially your father as well who would be watching down on you and so proud of you, Marcos. He certainly would. Um, A couple of more comments coming through. One from Taylor Harvey. Marcos holds weekly training sessions with the South Australia Para team, all volunteer work. More incredible stuff that you're doing, Marcos. Tell us about this. Yeah. Um, I I crossed paths with the boys um, last year um, when I collaborated with the FFSI to 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 take the the, the cerebral policy team to 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 nationals. Um, and yeah, and and I become friends after that, and we uh, we couldn't progress with the program through the FFSI. Um, and I decided to I decided to. To, to collaborate with the boys um, and we put one hour one hour session every two every every second Saturday and we did 10 sessions already we filmed the sessions we we teach we inspire others with them um, and now we be, we're gonna be playing our first friendly game through my through this uh, friendship that I got with the boys we're gonna be playing against uni- United 
ability, which is an organization that helps everyone to to, to engage everyone to play the game. So we're going to be playing our first friendly match. And, and, mm -hmm. and like I said, um, they are the team. It's not the... It's not the FFSA team. It's not the Marcos Flores team. It's, they are the team, and when they get together, they inspire. They inspire me, and in consequence, they inspire everyone who I teach. When actually I'm coaching under 12s or under 14s in the park, I'm telling them check these boys, these boys, the cerebral palsy boys, completely completing 10 volleys, perfectly. Now let's do it. Mm -hmm. and, and 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 these 12 years old from Campbelltown, from Adelaide City, from Riders, from who, the, whoever, I don't care in which clubs you play, as long as you love the game and you aim to complete the pass, is mm -hmm. it, it is it is I call that evolution. Mm -hmm. Very well we said. Need Very to, we need we need a, a Lucy. We need to engage the, the new generation of footballers to complete targets in a different approach, being more encouraging them, but challenging them to complete targets. It's not just enough to pass the ball. It's a, we need to offer the honest guidance that helps the new generation to complete 20 juggles left and right. Mm -hmm. And what happens if you mess it up and do double juggle? Start again. Mm -hmm and be resilient because that is the players that are going to make Socceroos. Tell me a Socceroos player that was not resilient. Mm -hmm. It's true. Just it's tell true. Me, tell me one. Tell me one. If you said to yeah. me that, that Socceroos have one player that was not resilient, oh, well, I, I give you I give you that, that topic. But uh, Australia is well known by resilient, by hard work, by... And if these kids like Tommy Rogic that are super technical, Aaron Moy, super technical, we need to 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 get that model and replicate in all our youth amateur leagues or with the federation clubs. I don't care. Wherever you are in the backyard, complete the left and right. Mm. Then you will learn how to run. Then you will learn how to. But let's complete the target, guys, because if we skip the basics, it's impossible to take decision-making. Some comments coming through, a lot of engagement from you guys joining us um, via our various platforms, whether it be Facebook or Twitter, also YouTube. Uh, Juggles Football Culture once again writing in, this is brilliant. What a great human being. Represent Wyoming Tigers, a great club with great values. It seems like old school athlete mentality. We wish the professional players these days had the same attitude towards community. It feels like they have forgotten what it was like to look up to a hero, missing that connection, sadly. Um, I feel like it's a topic that comes up a lot in the A-League at the moment now when we're struggling to develop a connection between the clubs and the fans, Michael's particularly without identities like yourself. Um, I feel like there's become this massive push to protect the players, to keep them behind the media manager's wall and to, to not let them step out of bounds or to say anything, whether it be controversial or, or to even show their personality. And we're going to get to that topic a little bit later on in the show when we talk about it. But I know that Simon Hill also wrote a, an article in The Guardian that was penned uh, overnight, and, and thank you to Ivan Sragan who asked us what we thought about it. And the title is The A-League's Real Issue is a Lack of emotional investment in its clubs. So emotional investment from fans, from, from everyone really involved. 
but from your experience, Marcus, and having played at various clubs across the A-League, where did you feel like or which club did you feel like had that, you know, that kind of value really personified and that they made that effort to, to really stretch out to the community? Look, um, for my experience of what I what I what I actually uh, what actually I can say about this that the four four clubs that I play with Victory Adelaide um, uh, Jets and Mariners four of them they got a program to engage the community four of them the way we do it is differently you can visit two thousand clubs but if you are not genuine. If you not show love, mm. they receive your photo, they receive your poster, but they will not come to see you. Mm. So I, I, I learned something in Central Coast. Central Coast was actually one of the clubs that they engaged with Ryan Anno, the community, to the point that every Tuesday, the entire squad we went to to local clubs every Tuesday. So every Tuesday, us as the players, we sign at least 300 or 400 or 500 soccer balls and things mm -hmm. every Tuesday. So, so then I realized that every time we were doing this, after 15 minutes, boom, all of us, we disappeared. Mm -hmm. So what happened? The faces of, 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 of communities, of Wyoming Tigers, of Urimba, of Tarago FC, like, oh, thank you very much. But it was a real connection. You know, that's the question. You know, it was real. Is is that we we make friends or we went to reach fans? You know, we try to engage fans. Well, when I actually had done my 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 knee, I started becoming friends of Wyoming Tigers. How? Just going there and I'm, I'm, I'm checking the training and turning up and saying, hi, I'm Marco Ferris. Would you like to to be around you? Uh, would you like to, any help? And they're telling me, Marco, seriously? Yeah, please, just come mm -hmm. and, and, and do something. I was doing the warm-up. I was, I was trying to help. After that, after I left to New, Newcastle Jets, I got Wyoming Tigers players coming to watch Newcastle Jets play. Why? Because I make friends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you make friends in the community and you build a club that make friends, family, it's unstoppable. Mm -hmm. But if you are there just reaching people, I'm oh, just going to send this, this hello so these guys come to watch. Mm, I, I doubt maybe one will, will come, maybe two. Mm -hmm. But if we make friends, Every single player can take 500 fans. It's true. It's very true. Um, I'm going to head to a question and then it's over to you, Solich, before we start to make our way through uh, the A-League results that we've seen over the past week. Hassan Bertrand, one of our top fans here on the World Game. Great to have your company, Hassan. Thanks for coming back and tuning into our A-League show. Marcos, which one was your best goal in the A-League, he wants to know? Um... The best goal in A League, I think the the, the ones that I score Adelaide United versus Newcastle Jets. Mm -hmm. um, I think we have yeah. it. I think we have it. I think we're going to show it. This one here. By the way, let's just talk about this. What a wonderful connection you had with the fans as well. I mean, oh, it's incredible. an it's an incredible goal, top corner. But look at the celebration. Oh, look, look at, at the. 
a literal oh. connection. Oh man, doesn't that give you goosebumps watching that? My gosh, the passion. Yeah, yeah. And Adelaide fans, man, they are very, very passionate. Parochial, they've got a massive following and they love their club. They love their club so much. So what a rewarding time that must have been for you there. Wow. It was lovely and it was lovely. It's a period that I couldn't I couldn't come back and 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 yeah, and I ended up also even playing for a, a for Melbourne Victory. Um mm. but but the things that that I always gonna treasure in my heart that that every single game that I play for Adelaide United or I play for 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 the clubs in Italy, I gave it all. Um, I give it all. Um, and I wanted to live in Adelaide uh, the rest of my life. Uh, 24 years old, being the Johnny Warren, uh, I wanted to live in that moment for forever. But um, but you know, Lucy, I was 24 years old. They were desperate me to make a business on me. It was they were not desperate to keep me. But always us, we are the 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 the, the guys who wants to live. We are all of us. We are. The guys who, no, 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 it's not. Whoever is in the game know that things sometimes are on your favor, sometimes are not. Um, and But without a doubt, that moment that I lived with Ale was priceless and I will never forget. Mm, so, Licha, before I come to you, a couple of more questions. We've got so much engagement here. It's fantastic. Um, uh, oh, they're coming in that quick and fast that I can really keep up with them. Aaron Hedges, when Marcos signed with the Mariners, I went to Tugra for the fan revealment. I was in awe of a modest superstar. Juggles football culture again. Thanks for your comments, guys. Great to have your company with us throughout the show. Marcos is saying everything we feel as members of the Central Coast community, it is not like this anymore. Michael Ong, we make amigos in football. That's so true. Marvin Tapia, Lucy, you should convince SBS to hire Marcos. He really knows what he's talking about. If only we could. <laughs> We've enjoyed having Marcos on the show here. Rod Glue, Marcos, miss you from the Central Coast. All the best, bud. Love you, Michael, guys. Love you. His victory one where he did Tiki Tucker with Thinkler was a great goal too. Yeah, you've got some fabulous goals in memory as well. Um, and it's fantastic to see you have such a great early career. We only wish that we had more from you. But Stolich, over to you for some questions before we start reviewing the rest of the games. Yeah, Marcos, uh, in Australia, we always talk about um, fan culture and, and we, we look at Argentina, you know, enviously because in Argentina, it's incredible, the, the culture of the fans. And, you know, obviously it has its problems sometimes and it can go too far. But genuinely, you know, a, a few years ago, we were able to show the Super Classico between Boca and River on mm-hmm. SBS, the Copa Libertadores final. And for us, just the the the... The, the color, the the passion, the the feeling, you know, it was incredible. I, I have an Argentinian friend of mine, uh, Gije, and he's a massive San Lorenzo fan. And he always tells me about San Lorenzo. And, and one of the things he says is, well, we've had some good players at San Lorenzo, but, you know, they go overseas and they come back. But the reason that I'm going every week is to be with the fans and to jump and to sing and all this. How do you think the A-League can develop that? connection and that and that that kind of active fan culture that you have in Argentina minus you know some of the more unsavory elements of of violence and stuff which is only minimal I guess but I was there on this game uh, River Boca Juniors I went to watch that um I be yeah I took a plane um I took a plane (laughs) I flew watch this game and come back um and I didn't do that thing so often, just only the passion that I had for River Plate 
as as a child. I also was the moment that uh, a year after I, I lost my father, um, and I actually, and I actually thought that if he could be alive, he he would actually love to do something like that. So I went, I watched this game, I cried, um, and then I and I flew back because I was really happy. I cried because I'm I was happy. Um, yeah. Now, um, saying that this 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 atmosphere the the South America have. Is because there is a there is things that are out of control. Because in Argentina you can see twenty thousand people in a stadium only for ten thousand, and that thing will never happen in this country. Which I'm happy that 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 is not that way. I went to Madagascar game versus Senegal, and it was forty thousand people in the stadium that was only for twenty, and we couldn't move to the toilet. We people were sitting on top of each other. So saying that, is that a great atmosphere for the 11-11? I believe I mean, it's too many people, but is that safe? I mean, I'm I'm saying let's keep it safe. Let's let's defense express themselves because I was lucky to play um, a game victory Wanderers or when Wanderers started. Mm-hmm. It was a great atmosphere. Then happens thousands of things that put these boys. I don't know what they did. You know, they, potentially they did things wrong or whatever. But they were showing a lot of passion, a lot of an atmosphere um, that I that we could easily find in South America. Um, is that is that what makes players to or fans to to engage with the game? I think I think a fans. They are looking to see more genuine players, like the kid from, from Central Coast Mariners. This kid will bring fans. You know why? Because he's genuine. He mm-hmm. has not a smile when the game was uh, boring, and 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 he was not worried about the draw. He was he was he he made his dream come true. Mm-hmm. And these mm-hmm. things will bring fans. I want I want to travel to Central Coast to watch this game. You're talking about Alu Kual as well, for those that might not know. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're right. Love, you're absolutely right. Mm. But then finish I, your point about how we create that kind of culture. Is it is it coming from the players, Marcos? It's coming. It's coming for from from a club to embracing the fans as a family and not just only as the people who pay the ticket. Because if, if, if the fans going to get this, you know, it's the investment to go and watch a game. When you go to, to, to Argentina, 20% of these people don't pay tickets. There you go. There we go. So how many people of these 30,000 pay tickets? That's the, you need to, you need to, we need to ask in South America or in Indonesia that they put 50,000 people in the stadium. But they make but they make money by their own merchandising. So no one have Nike, no one have Adidas. They have their own thing. Mm. In in Indonesia, for example. Mm-hmm. So the venue, the money, it comes from, from from the spectators to pay the bills from a place. No. No, no, no. That is not. The the money comes from sponsors from so if we embrace fans, let's embrace it like family. 
And then and then we will see. I remember I, I actually when I say goodbye to Central Coast Mariners, 250 comments on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Why Marcos is leaving? You know how many games I played Lucy for Central Coast Mariners? 13. Mm-hmm. But you mm-hmm. know what? I was engaged with the community as a friend. I didn't want anything in return. Mm-hmm. I was com- I was in every single game of Wyoming Wy- Wy- Tigers. Why? Because I had the time as a professional footballer. I just trained only two two hours in the morning, and then in the afternoon I was with my dog drinking mate. I'm I'm, I'm watching football. <laughs> and if you don't have your dog or you don't have a mate, just take your coffee, go with your with your friends, with your girlfriend, and just say hello to people. Uh, just engage. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna name one Adelaide United player, Luis Darigo. Mm-hmm. Luis Darigo is a kid, one of the most talented midfielders that Australia have in this in in, in the present. Yep. Mm-hmm. Luis Darigo is genuine, a beautiful South Australian player that goes to he goes to watch MPL. He already texts me two times, Marcos. Whenever you want me, I can go and visit your players. Oh wow! So we got kids, mm-hmm. players that wanted to help. Can they help without? No, don't help this club because this club doesn't help us. No, don't help. Mm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? The players yeah. need to do what they want, what they think that is good for the community. The players need to go and make friends in the community. Invite yeah. the guy who gives you free latte in Melbourne. Invite him to the stadium. It's true. It's about making that emotional connection again. And these are all some of the things that I think are, are really valid points in Australian football at the moment. Um, it's certainly what we've been discussing over the last six months since the pandemic struck and has effectively unearthed all of these existing issues. But, um, you know, they're, they're things that are really going to determine whether or not we can go forward as a competition and, and sustain it as well because now... Post-COVID, I mean, we don't know how much longer this is going to last for. We know that our economy, our football economy here in Australia in the A-League is going to take a bit, whether that's to the salary cap, whether that's to sponsors, investors, to ownership models and structures and how that's going to work going forward. Um, you know, what's the broadcast deal going to look like uh, post the next season and, and will we have enough funding to be able to support players' wages and to, you know, to have a sustainable competition overall? But it does start, you're right, with that community and fan engagement. Um, One more question before we get to this one, Um, and it's come from uh, Michael Ong, who wants to know about what your time was like in Indonesia. Hey, Lucy and Nick, ask Marcos about the Indonesia fans. He had to go to away games in army tanks. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Right. I was a Persib Bandung one of the biggest clubs in Indonesia, uh, making partnership with Sergio Van Dijk after eight years, mm-hmm. uh, we connected again. And it was amazing. It was, again, 50,000 fans, really crazy atmosphere, really unsafe sometimes, yeah? And in the, in the, in the hotel, when we, you play away, you got three times that take six, seven players um each each tank so you get there in in uh, uh in the in in basically the police the police cars and and and, and after the game lucy something that i never that did it in my entire career is that as you go you don't do interviews you don't do nothing 
just sprint as quickly as possible to the tanks, no matter what. If you if you won, you lose all your stuff. It goes to they pack all your bags and everything. They put it in the tanks, and then people comes like um like uh you, you know when you won the championship. I never won it, <laughs> but maybe the. the <laughs> I, don't know, I lost I lost more than the things that I won. But anyway, so I felt that we won the championship. Said, no, no, no. You, you didn't, Marcos. You just ran because we need to go to the top. <laughs> so you don't give time to the, the opposition fans to get out of the stadium. So wow. that's, that, that was one of the experiences. That, but saying that, uh, uh, Indonesia was a place that I'm that I enjoy it and, and, and the fans, you know, have a great, uh, I, got, I, got, I got a great relationship with them. Um, uh, it was love, passion and just play. Doesn't matter if it is police, no police, just play. Um, and I loved it. I loved it. It really was a great experience in Indonesia. Mm, wow, that's remarkable stuff. Um, you know, I don't know that I've listened to a player talk about having to bolt to an army tank's knowledge. That's um, that's crazy. <laughs> Real clangers over the years. I mean, what a what a book or documentary Marcos Flores could do on his career, you know, from Argentina to Australia to Indonesia to traveling the world. It's, it's an incredible life you're living. And I think, you know, I think people have been saying in the comments, but I would really like, uh, I hope FFA is watching and listening because I think someone with Marcos's expertise, but also values would be very good to have in the game higher up. You know, I, we talk about them having a consultant well i think this is one of the best consultants you're going to ever get in terms of hearing all this information because as you can see we can see in the comments that we're getting right now how much people love you and and at all the clubs that you played at so yeah let's see what happens in the future but yeah i hope ffa contact you and uh we get some of your ideas across the whole country thank you very much we need more people i'm gonna i'm gonna be i'm gonna be guys um keep establishing an honest youth development. Mm -hmm. An honest youth development where we need to put the fees affordable. We need mm -hmm. to make sponsors to to sponsors to 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 find to 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 actually support scholarships to players that they are in disadvantage and players that hit targets. We need to have a fees fees affordable. We need to be inclusive, Lucy. We don't need to have that perception that if you're an amateur player, you cannot make it. Yeah. Sometimes the fees are mixed, messing, messing around the perception of us as a coaches. Oh, this kid is in an amateur, uh, in in amateurs in the middle of Gola, uh, here in, in the state. Oh no, 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 he's not a good player. No, no, it's not a true. I know a ten years old dad that he hits every single target, but he he doesn't have the money to pay um, crazy fees in the city. Yeah. yeah. So we need to invest in coaching. Are we investing in coaches or we are just only coaching with the with the parents? And mm -hmm. we which is nothing wrong with the parents, but if you don't mentor the parents, mm -hmm. we need to mentor coaches with the guidance, with the philosophy. The clubs needs to pick a philosophy. We need to put a technical assessment in every single club, amateur or not, technical assessments, challenges that the kids can actually hit. Can you complete 10 passes in, this, in 20 seconds, in 30 seconds? Can you do it? 
Craig showed me because in that way we can actually scout players and, and, and place the fundamentals of the game in every single club. So when the kids like Mohamed, uh, Mohamed Toure in Adelaide, he goes to the A-League and he got more chances to establish himself. He is an spectacular scenario um, a case. A 14 years old that from a state goes to goes to a one-year training or two years training with the A-League environment uh, with the Adelaide United and is able to sustain himself. To play one game is not difficult. To play 16 years professional, 15 years, that is the that is the challenge. We, it's not just to play three kids, and that makes you a great club um, with with a, with with amazing opportunities for you. No, no, no. You have to play like like uh, like the case of Luis Arrigo. He goes through the NTC program, and 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 he has the fundamentals in place to to establish himself in A League. If you don't have the fundamentals of the game, you can be in in risk constantly because you're not gonna be able to make solutions as a footballer. Um, mm. and, 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 and honestly, we need to fight for this. Give the fundamentals for free to the generation. Let's, let's have a guidance for free on what is good in football. We need to tell the player that is 16 or the player who is 10 years old to do left and right 20 times. And if you do that, great. Let's do it for level two, double chat, double juggle. You do that right, let's go to the sides. Can you do sides? Can you do headers? If we do that, we're going to be able to coach this player in a different level. But then we copy-paste something. Uh, whatever comes from, 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 from France, from Holland, from Argentina, from Brazil, you can't copy what the other cultures are doing it because you have your own culture, guys. Here in Australia, we go our culture, and this culture we need to embrace it. Once that we embrace it, we put the fundamentals of the game, and you're gonna see evolution. But if, if it is more important the fees than the youth development, than 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 the development, we got a problem. I think that we sums it. up. I think that sums it up because now what what Marcos is saying there, Stolich, is that. We are putting more emphasis on how much we're charging these kids than what we are in terms of wanting to develop. Delivering. What, and that, what are we delivering? Yeah, yeah. Deliver yeah. more than what you charge. What I'm saying that, deliver, if you're going to charge whatever it is, deliver, make sure that you deliver knowledge, you deliver a guidance. You deliver, because if you charge, one club is charging like this, the other club is charging like that, and it's the same coach, it's the same parent, Coaching without guidance, what is what is happening? What is happening with the game? I'm not saying that you need to be former A-League player to coach. No, 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 no. I'm saying that we need to coach the coaches and you need to make sure that football people are are driving clubs to, to, to make an evolution. Because if you don't do that, it just, you, you become only a little a personal trainer in the park for eight hundred dollars per per year, every every family, and that is not honest. Honest is to give the fundamentals of the game so they can evolve themselves. Mm -hmm. Honest is to have an identity, a philosophy in your club. If you got that, people, players will love the jersey, guys. 
we need to teach the players to love the jersey. Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that I, I say in Spanish to an interview in Argentina. They asked me, Marcos, which was your favorite club in, 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 the war, in your career? Yeah? Mm-hmm. And in Adelaide United, I was able to shine, to show myself. But I said, I never, ever kiss another jersey than the, just the first one. Ah. I celebrate with the fans. I put a wig. I, I celebrate goals. But I never did this. The only mm. one that I kissed was the, was the club that gave me the youth development. Mm. Because they taught me to be resilient, to love the jersey big time, to play with... I, I play in first division, Lucy, and I didn't go pay. Mm. And I'm telling you after 16 years that that is the club that I love. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they, they put hours and hours from Monday to Friday to teach me soccer. So we need to give a little bit more of what we're taking. It's very true. More comments coming in. Raw Prawn 25, good afternoon to you. Great to have your company via Twitter, mate. Love this guy. So many of the comments coming through. Jamboree Pub, once again, you've been fabulous with us today. Fantastic engagement from you. Hallelujah, Marcos. Ivan Stragen, once again, we've got a technical director in the making here. So many people loving what you have to say, Marcos, because what you're speaking is the truth. And it's also coming from a very genuine place. I think that's what Australian football is lacking at the moment is authenticity. Authenticity is genuine voices who have a genuine love and passion for the game and want to see it succeed. Um, I want to, if, if you don't mind, uh, we can keep you for that little bit longer while we breeze through some of the A-League results because uh, I'm conscious of the time here. We could sit and chat to you all day, Marcos, but I want to take a, a look back at some of the games that we've seen played out and we've already touched on the Mariners versus the Wanderers, but if we could look at the F3 derby, I know it was a bit of a dullard in terms of the result. It was nil-nil on the scoreline, but Marcos, have you been actively keeping a rest of what's happening in the A-League? Are you still watching games? Are you still taking an interest? Yes, of course. A little bit. Uh, getting into the rhythm because now um, I got lost track a little bit. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy constantly checking the results and, and checking friends of mine that, that, that are playing the game. Mm-hmm. And what are your thoughts on sort of where the Mariners are at now, for example? I mean, you only, as you said earlier, you played 13 games from them. You did that horrific injury whilst you were there. But where they are as a club now, it's been so sad to see the decline. Um, and it's, it's not something that's been enjoyable for anyone across the competition to watch. Grayanano left. Mm. That's what happened. And Grayanano is a perfect example of of a club person. Grayanano is a club person. Grayanano moves to to wherever he moves and he builds from the top to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And, and when he left, the the energy of Mariners they were here, they, in the following year they did a little bit less mm-hmm. and then start going, you know, just empty. Um, it's not disrespecting the coaches, of course. I mean, it's just it's just the, the, the spirit. It got a little bit lost and they tried to find themselves again. It's not an easy job, you know, to have a vision, to have to have a philosophy. 
uh, it's something that that needs to come back on track but but mariners um are always you know this beautiful family together in the coast um mm. and i think that that spirit is the one that is going to help them to 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 come back to the glory days and it certainly are a fabulous community out there. I mean, I spent a year up at the coast. I've spoken at length about um, how beautiful the people are up in Terrigal and, and beyond uh, Stolich. But uh, in in spite of the fact that it wasn't the result that either of the sides really wanted, I mean, it was the first time that the Mariners were able to stem the bleeding in, I think it was about 12 games. So that was important for them. And it was an important um, and unfortunate um, result for the Jets who were still wanting to remain in the hunt for a final spot. But in spite of the game, one of the most entertaining things that came out of it was an interview from the gentleman that uh, Marcus mentioned there earlier, Alu Kual, who's burst onto the scene and burst onto our television screens to entertain us and delight everybody. Can we play the interview for those that um, might need a memory jog or perhaps that didn't see it at all? Yes, we can. But I just, uh, one second, because I need to add the audio. My bad. So lovely. So lovely. This yeah, yeah. Amazing. it's really nice. His energy, his enthusiasm. Here um, we go. <laughs> Well, mate, uh, just want to ask you, how thrilled were you to make your starting debut tonight? Uh, I was very excited, obviously, to make it in front of the home fans. It was F3 derby. It was incredible. I'd like to thank Stads and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I was nervous to start, but as the game went on, started getting a bit comfortable, getting more into it, a few touches here and there. But, yeah, it was pretty good. And how did you feel coming up against uh, guys like Topo Stanley and Bogart? They're pretty tough customers. No, I not really. Not really. I have big boys back at home, so play with them. Yeah. Learn a thing or two will come out with that. Yeah. So for the Mariners looking forward to you know, the games coming ahead, what, what are you hoping to, to get out of those? Uh, obviously win, firstly. And secondly, score a goal, man. Yeah. Yeah, right for one to the top corner, you know. <laughs> That's yeah. not too much to ask for, is it? No, not a lot. But if you look at the game tonight, how did you feel? You, were, you looked more comfortable in the second half as a from a team perspective? Yeah, because... 10 minutes, we were getting like, we were panicking a lot, but we went in changing rooms, half time, cool down, regroup, just play our game really, came out better, stronger, and yeah, just try to get our goal, but unfortunately today, but yeah. got the point, so move on next week. Yeah. Alu, I must ask you, now that I've got you here, yeah. a lot of people watching tonight don't know too much about your story, obviously we do, who are in the know, can you tell us a little bit your story, it is extraordinary. Pardon? Your story. How did you get to here? The I get to here. Alright, I was playing for Golden Valley Suns, yeah, and playing seniors. Started off there. I wasn't really going for anything, just wanted to score like ten goals. As the season went along, I scored four goals in one game. Ended up like top scorer within a week. And from there, like I started to believe in myself. Started to work hard in training. By the end of the season I was three goals down. And I scored a hat trick to win the golden boot. And Monty found me, so I came in for a trial with him, and from there it was history, man. Here I am, man. Uh, mate, the big stage, huh? Uh, you are, and it's yeah. fantastic history. And mate, let me tell you, it's all about self-belief. You've got yeah. that in bucket loads. Good luck for the rest of the season. Can I make a shout out? Yeah, of course you can. All right. So my boy, watching back home at the deck, Shepherd, Southeast. Where else? Berkeley Vale. Where else? <laughs> all the boys, basically, man. I love y'all. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You got I'm any done. more while you're here? Uh, my family. I love y'all. Appreciate it. Mate, I know gonna... they're watching, man. I know they're watching, man. I see y'all right there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute yeah. pleasure. Congratulations. All right, thank you very much. <laughs>
That is fantastic. He's so awesome. Oh, so incredible. And that personality and that character, he's obviously not somebody that's been washed through the media training department and told what to say, how to say it. Um, you know, and that's one of the things, Marcos, I mean, you being a, a former player, you can talk to this very well. And one of the frustrations that I have in the media, I mean, I worked on the sidelines for four years. I've, I've, I've interviewed players for the better part of my career post-match, um, you know, with confeds and, and various things. And one of the frustrating things from my perspective is you hear the same things every time. You know, whether they lost, oh, you know, we, we worked really hard today. We tried to execute the coach's game plan. Unfortunately, didn't come off for us. But you know what? We're going to work hard for next week. I can do the, the post-match interviews for the players on their behalf. And if they won, credit to the boys. We all put in a good shift. You know, we worked really hard this week in training. We're very proud of one another. Like, it's all stuff we've heard. And, and what we need more of is quality personalities who are able to come out and, and to, to share their honest views. And my concern is that the media managers, are they telling you players, no, just go in there and say these things and keep it very formal? Or have the players just become used to this style, this style of being interviewed? Well, but uh, what can we do as the players? If you say what you think, you might get trouble. Brian Anno said so many times after the post, he said, I can't say what I want because otherwise I'm going to have trouble. Yeah. That is the point. I mean, as a players, we, I remember one post interview that you, uh, I don't know who did it against, I don't know who was Sydney, that he was so frustrated because it was a humble penalty. I don't know what Sydney or, or which team he was. Um, that that he said like that was not a red that was not a, that was not a handball blah, blah blah he got really upset I think Archie Thompson was doing the interview mm -hmm. um, but but we need to actually express what we feel oh was that was that the Louis Fenton one where he mm. swore yeah yeah Louis Fenton I love it uh, that, <laughs> but I, I don't I don't I don't I don't love the the the, the bad words uh, I don't want us to be an example of being really rude. No, we got manners, but when you are with your heart, 180, and you really wanted to do well for your fans, and you really wanted to, you put your body on the line, what do we expect? You said, can you please let me score a goal? No, he's, he's I want to score the goal, buddy, just give me the ball. Or same thing happened with football. You asked me, what do you think? You, you lost because, I don't know, something happened with the ref, a bad decision, whatever it was. I have to tell you what I feel. Well, I feel what Lewis Fenton feels. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. can I can I say it and, and don't get in trouble? Can we do that? Because if we make an agreement that we really can come Simon Simon uh, Simon just right now cross, he mm. was talking confident. Mm. He I could see there was a player that was telling his things with no yeah. recitations, with no we need to have that freedom of speech because that engages the fans. That yeah. engages the fans again. Archie Thompson used to be one of these guys. Yeah. 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 Let's, 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 I mean, we need to suggest the players be disciplined, do your job, excel in your job, aim for doing well, and be yourself. Mm.
And the question that we're posing to everybody before we move on to the next one is how do characters help grow the game? Well, Stolich, we know that, you know, from what Marcus has been saying all day today, it's connecting to the, the fans and the community and building that fan base and, and treating them like they are a family. I think that's something that's been really absent in all of this and allowing the fans to develop that emotional um, and mental attachment to a club. Um, and, you know, the players are going to come and go. That's that's just a byproduct of our ecosystem in the angle. We offer short-term contracts. We've got a salary cup environment i mean we always accuse players of being recycled and it's always oh, the recycle league well yes okay it, it is if you want to go on that but it is that because it's a byproduct of the system that we've set up for the football in this country start giving players longer term contracts raise the salary cap and you might start to see a shift and players might be able to have a bit more security and develop an attachment to a football club and want to stay if europe or asia or wherever else is not an option but now going through the pandemic look that's that's probably a hard thing to ask for so, Stolich, how do characters help grow the game from your perspective? Well, I, I think we look at the example of, you know, you see it overseas all the time. Look how much everyone really admires Jurgen Klopp, even if they're not a Liverpool fan. Everyone's saying, wow, what, what a great guy Jurgen Klopp is. What an example. And and you see actually how connected he has made the team with the people. And already there was a good connection at Liverpool, but it's gone to another level. And that has really helped their success. And I, and I can tell you, you know, watching their big Champions League games, you really feel their fans are the 12th man. And they have a big effect, whether it was on Barcelona, Manchester City, all these type of teams go there and struggle because the fans are so connected. So uh, when it comes to Qual, uh, you know, it was fantastic to see because, let's be honest, the game was so boring. But, you know, at the end of the game, we got this interview and and we just felt, that again, that emotional kind of connection. Wow, here's this kid. His first ever start, by the way. So, you know, a lot of people, there were some people criticizing the interview a bit. you got to remember, it's a 19-year-old kid who, like Marcos has said, has just played a game. So you're very tired. You know, anyone wants to try, do 10 push-ups, 10 sit-ups and 10 star jumps and then try and answer some questions. It's not easy. All right, so that's the first thing. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but second thing, he spoke really well. He, you know, he connected with his family back home, his friends back home. They might be going crazy. They're probably going to want to buy jerseys with his name on it. It was fantastic. And now I was wanting to see how he went in the next game. So that's what happens. Otherwise, I would have turned off that game, completely forgotten about it next week. Mm-hmm. But now I was looking at him. Oh, how's he going? How's he starting? And and, and he did, of course, uh, say the phrase, no homo. But I, I think just a little clarification there. Um, you know, I spoke to someone close to him and they were like, no, he, did, he didn't mean anything offensive by it or anything. It was more a joke for his friends. And, and, and this is a phrase that was in a movies and stuff a few years ago and all these things. So, you know, I think the next time we hear him speak and I really want to hear him speak again, I know we try to get him on this show. Um, we're really keen to hear from him. So if, if the Mariners ever let us speak to him again, we're, we're going to be really excited. But yeah, I, I just think, uh, yeah, these characters, they really help grow the game. He He's someone who immediately we kind of fell in love with. You saw it uh, on Twitter the next day. And, and we talked about it before, Lucy. Characters like Conor McGregor make people fall in love with UFC. Characters like Muhammad Ali make car- uh, people fall in love with boxing. You know, all these sports, sometimes it's the characters that we, that's why we're tuning in, you know. Even, mm-hmm. even uh, I remember I wasn't that into basketball and then suddenly I started watching a few interviews and then you start to understand the rivalries and and then suddenly you want to watch all the time. So I think these people can only help the game and I thought it was great to see and and I hope we hear more from him and I hope he continues to be as kind of authentic and, uh, and confident as he was. Mm. We should, we should, we should empower the people genuine in the game. 
We yeah. should empower the people, give opportunities to express themselves, advise things, yeah? Be careful with this mm -hmm. and be careful with that. Yeah. But mm -hmm. Just go, be yourself. Now, yeah. one of the things that, that how important is that, that, that uh, sold of the game, yeah? Is that we never lose, we never, we never, we should try to never lose the amateur love. You mm. playing because you love the game. That's what you're playing. You can pay. You're blessed. But remember the how you started. Remember that was only about you beating beating the opposition. Yeah, great. Now, once that we do that, now once that we do that, if you think about the characters, what makes Maradona be better than be better than Messi in the eyes of a lot of people? He was a character. Well, it's, it's the character, heart. is it? Yeah. He's a he's a he's a crazy he's a crazy guy that the, before the before the game against England he said that he was going to play for all the moms that were waiting for the soldiers to come back home. <laughs> Who actually would say something like that, Mari? And he yeah, goes or, and end up scoring two goals. Or in 1990 when he said to the Neapolitans, Italian. people from Napoli should support Argentina, not Italy, in the whole <laughs> World Cup. Whoa. That was the end for that was the end for Maradona after that. That's the point. <laughs> so <laughs> saying that, that is the beauty of the game. Let's 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 be more rookies. Let's be more amateurs. You know, mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong to be amateurs. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with it. It's beautiful games are happening in the amateurs here in state in, in South Australia. Mm -hmm. Amateurs amateurs teams or state league two teams have more crowds than NPL here. It's true. It's true. I don't uh, South South Melbourne. Mm. Hey, so let's let's actually, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they make that... big arguments for why they should be a part of the A League, and I think that a lot of us, when we reflect on say the National Soccer League days, can argue for the fact that we all had an emotional connection to the club. But nowadays, you know, you're not seeing that replicated at A League clubs. So we've got to figure out a way to bring back that love for the fans and and you know to to get them back through the gates again, and and more than just for as you said, Marcos, more than just paying their ticket. They, they want to be there. They want to support their club. In, so. in NSL, NSL in, the, in the old Super League, yeah, in the old Super League, um, uh, for the little history that I, that I started, you know, learning, it was back then the Italian culture the, versus the Croatian culture. And Wednesday we got a little bit like, no, it's, it's, it's wrong to be too, too Italian, yeah? Don't be too Italian. Be, when we got to this, for example, Boca Juniors have a juniors is not a Spanish word. Yeah. River River Plate is not a Spanish word. Mm. Mm -hmm. So saying that, we everyone has a philosophy, everyone has a bag the background. They, they, and, and if you embrace that, you're gonna have grandmothers in the in the in the in the, in the stadium. But if you clear and, and, and you become a business model instead of being a club. Mm -hmm. Oh, Jesus, it's really hard to get, to get, to get connected. In Italy, you got, you got teams that they, they bring 20 supporters to the crowd. Mm -hmm. But they, they, they go crazy by the fact that they're going to play against Inter Milan. I know mm -hmm. the different models, yeah? I know the, the, all the things that... Is, is bigger than what I'm saying. I know I know there is details that we need to get further and further, but if we don't speak honest, 
and someone come give me a call and say, Marcus, look, but it's not happening because of this. Great. I can actually learn. It's true. I'm opening to chat. Mm, they need to chat with you, Marcos. They really do. Um, I want to breeze through the remaining ones as we look to wrap up the show, guys. Um, Wellington versus Adelaide. Uh, the question that we're posing on this one is, can Adelaide claim a final spot? That's what I'm more interested in hearing from the fans at this point in time uh, because as it stands, they're sitting inside the six. They've got three games to go against Perth, Sydney and City. So it's not exactly going to be an easy run for them. But, um, you know, with the quality that they've got at the moment, and I feel like they're they're on a good run and they could certainly make a good argument for why they'll end up in the final series stolage. Yeah, I mean, they're doing well. But, yeah, I just I just think Western United might be able to overtake them. You know, you look at that difference of the extra two games there. It's a worry. I mean, we're going to have one very good team is going to miss out because I think uh, Western United, Adelaide, Perth, Brisbane all have claims. And uh, I think Adelaide have improved under Carl Viet. I wonder your thoughts, Marcus, on uh, Adelaide under Carl Viet. Yes, I mean, um, they were, uh, they embraced Kai Beard. They embraced it. Kai Beard got to, to, to put his, his personality. Uh, he's one of the most wonderful humans being that I met in my career. Um, and having a young, young squad, you know, being, being, being humble. They're gonna be able to 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 express themselves to the to the best of their ability. Um, they need to just be focused on on them or what they can produce, and maybe they will have that chance. But like you said, you know, Western Western is doing things right, and Mark Gruden is established in in the A League. Um, that experience might might actually take advantage yeah they, they they could but we'll see mm. so the result at banquet stadium uh on saturday between wellington and adelaide was 1-1 moving on to the next fixture it was the melbourne derby also taking place at banquet stadium on the same night melbourne victory going down 2-1 to western united but stolich i want to ask you how deep into the finals could Western United go? And for those of you still joining us here uh, on the World Game A-League show, let us know your thoughts. How deep into the finals could Western United go? Or do you entirely disagree and think that Adelaide could make a claim for that top six spot? Stolich, over to you first. Man, I really like what I'm seeing from Western United at the moment. You know, they were creating a lot of chances against Melbourne Victory, who Melbourne Victory is struggling at the moment, so maybe we shouldn't read too much into them. It's going to be very interesting to see how Western United go against the Jets on the weekend. But Western United, it just looks like they've worked it out with Diamante combining with Burgess, combining with Barisha up front. You know, and I think that experience is going to help them as the games get kind of bigger and more pressure. But yeah, it was, it was fantastic to see. Actually, Lucy, last week, uh, I talked about I wanted to see more set pieces from the Mariners. And then Mark <laughs> Rudin did a wonderful short corner to set it up. It was beautiful. Ex exactly what I wanted. So well done, Roots. Thanks for watching the show. Um, but <laughs> take the credit, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, but they're, they're looking uh, very good, and um, yeah, it was it was a very good performance. And I think that front three is going to do a lot of damage. They had a lot of problems at the start of the season, players coming and going. Scott McDonald was in there, then he left. Uh, Gullen was in there, Connor was in there. Now they look settled. Now, actually, it looks like you know, and I think Diamante, we talk about characters in the league, Diamante mm -hmm. is a great character in the league, and I think. You know, it's hard to see, but if you talk to people around Western 
Manchester United, he's helping bring the group together a lot. And mm-hmm. I think they're away from their families. They're in Coogee at the moment. That's very important in these kind of situations. So I think Western United are going to do some damage and might even pull a surprise when it gets to the finals. Woohoo! Hassan Bertan, Western United will make the top six. It'll be interesting to see how they go. What do you think of Diamante, Marcos, before we move on? Amazing. Mm-hmm. It's a pure demonstration of talent, experience, mm-hmm. of passing the ball without looking the ball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. makes a difference. He can see passes that other midfielders cannot, basically. It's a bit, a bit like you, actually. Bit yeah, that's bad. true. No, no. <laughs> He, he's uh, 10 times better than me. Uh, well, we've, we've, touched, we've touched on the victory there as well, and they were also in action uh, last night against Brisbane Raw, also at Vanquist Stadium. They went down 2-1. The question that we're posing to everybody is, why have victory been such a shambles? I don't ask that question lightly. I'll be honest, it's been really rough to watch them because they are such a big club in Australian football and previously such a successful club under the likes of Ange Postacoglu and Kevin Musket, who I'm a massive fan of. I thought he did wonderful things with that victory side. But, Marcos, from your impressions, why have victory been such a disaster this season? Victory in 2000, 2012, they built a vision, a vision of eight years. And I remember back then with Ansposte Koglu as a coach and, and Kevin Mascot as assistant coach. It was, it, was a, it was a vision. I remember one of the first two or three months that we were doing the precision at Victory, Ansposte Koglu said Kevin Mascot is going to be the next future coach of Victory. Mm-hmm. And that tells you a lot how they were planned to do things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Masca took over from from of of uh, Ange, and then um, they managed to 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 keep building a process with fundamentals, and they they destroyed. I don't think so that they have the plan after Masca. Yeah. Um, and when when you get into that that thing takes times. It's like what happened to Sydney after uh, after they won the championship. They won the, in 2010. They were 2011, 2012, 2013. They were into shambles again until they picked up with with Graiano. So it's just circles of of what the big clubs are all about. Mm-hmm. Quite similar to what is happening to Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Soul doesn't want to hear that. <laughs> well, it's, it's, but it's what is happening. Is it's happening. It's true. I think I, I really agree with Marcos there. They didn't have a succession plan post Muskie. And I know that they've brought in Grant Brebner, um, who's come in as in the caretaker role. He's openly said that he doesn't want to take the role full time, that he's just basically assisting the club. A real legend of the club too, Grant Brebner, top guy as well. Um, but we're Amazing. hearing... Yeah, we're hearing some stuff, Stolich, out of the Greek media that apparently their discussions with their potential coach that they were were hailing as the next replacement, uh, Traianos Delas, have apparently broken down. Is that right, Stolich? That's what you've yeah, That's what we're getting here. Discussions between Traianos Delas and Melvin have broken down due to financial reasons. Now, I think this might be a blessing in disguise because I think we're seeing that there are a lot of Australian coaches, a lot of young coaches who deserve an opportunity. And, you know, as Bruce Jitte said in your interview with uh, him, Lucy, he said, when you bring in a foreign coach, as good as they are, and there's been many good foreign coaches, it takes three months to explain to them the salary cap, no relegation, we play at this time, all, all the... Uni- 
yeah, all the unique aspects of uh, what it's like to be a coach in the A-League. So I think that's the thing. I think we've seen a lot of success with Ufuk Tale, Steve Corica. You know, there's Peter Klamowski overseas. We had David Zrilich on yesterday. There's a lot of good Australian coaches out there who are going to immediately understand, A, the culture of Australian football and also, in a way, hopefully, like we've been talking about all day, help build a connection. So I think uh, the next appointment is going to be very important. There's a lot of great candidates out there, um, you know, even even some like Arthur Pappas, who's Andrew's assistant, uh, Yokohama, he could come back. He could be a very interesting one. Um, there's many, many options. So it's going to be very interesting. But, yeah, victory, it, it's disappointing. They've been a bit unlucky with injuries as well, injuries to Robbie Cruz, injuries to Naboo big players that they were going to sign. But I look at where Victory were a few years ago and where they are now and where Sydney FC, their rivals, have gone to is different levels. And whether that's been player signings, whether that's been, you know, Victory still they don't have a proper training ground and all these things. Victory are meant to be the biggest club in Australia. They have the most members. Um, you know, they, they, they should be doing better. So I want to see Victory doing well. And I agree with you, Marcos, it's cycles. They are going to come back. They will work it out. But it's important that they do it in the right way and, and in the right values because they should be our biggest club or one of our biggest clubs. And I want to see all those passionate victory supporters, and there's, I think, 21,000 members, I want to see that grow, 30,000 members, 40,000 members, because we know Melbourne and the way they love football and the way they love sport and the way they'll pay memberships. So, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see. But, uh, you know, Ufuk Tale is another one. And, Lucy, you spoke to him yesterday. What, what did he say in that interview? I did. So I sort of wanted to congratulate Ufuk on the work that he's done so far with Wellington Phoenix in this campaign. I mean, it's just been remarkable. I know the season's not over yet. And for those of you interested, you can head over to the World Game website to see the interview in full. It's only for about 10 minutes. But embedded within that, um, I asked him about the speculation surrounding his potential appointment at Melbourne Victory. He didn't give away too much. I mean, earlier in the year in January, he spoke to to a New Zealand publication in which he had said at the time that he was very happy in New Zealand. He was committed to seeing out the Wellington Phoenix project, to building a real foundation and a core of young players coming through. Um, he said his family was also very happy at that time. But when I spoke to, to Ulfuk yesterday, he, he didn't really defer to that. He said it's very flattering that he's received this attention um, from the media and those linking him to Melbourne Victory, but he's obviously very committed to seeing out the remainder of this season with Phoenix. And then he said, we'll see what happens from there. So so um, it's interesting because he's still got another year left on his contract. So I'm not sure. But you, you couldn't fault the man for, if there is truth to the speculation, for being attracted to the idea of going across to a club like Melbourne Victory, who, let's be honest, and this is no disrespect to Wellington Phoenix or, or the fans, you know, Melbourne Victory is a massive club and we've just touched on it there. Marcus, you've played for them. You know the pressure and expectations that come from playing for a club like that, but also from being a coach at a club like that. So, you know, awful talent. I think has really made a name for himself in the Australian coaching scene and he deserves an opportunity to prove himself and to test himself at a bigger club. It's just unfortunate for, you know, Wellington Phoenix that they managed to give these Australian coaches opportunities and then once they prove themselves, um, you know, then they are lured elsewhere to other clubs. So it's unfortunate for them, but of course great for the Australian coaches um, who were being, you know, kept in, in a really positive light here. So um, let's see how it all unfolds. But like I said, please do go and check out um, that interview with um, with Ufuk Tale, great guy, um, has had a lot to offer to Australian football, working um, with the under-17s and the under-20s, taking over from Paul Ocon. And he was also in 2018 the assistant to Steve Corica over at Sydney FC. And on that note, um, that final bit of news, we want to send a big congratulations to Sydney FC. 
well done to them on creating history and claiming their fourth premiership. Uh, it's historic uh, and, and really just um, it's been such a pleasure to see. I mean, you, Marco, spoke about the Graham Arnold factor and, you know, the effect that he has had on the various football clubs he's been at. Um, and you can see that Steve Corica has very much carried on that Graham Arnold legacy, but he's also made it his own. What have your impressions been of this Sydney FC side? Amazing. Uh, look at the, the similitude between both Victoria and Sydney. Once that the, the coach, big coach like Granano, like Ansposter Kuglo, they put a foundation, they lead, they were, they, they passed that thing to the legends of the club. They didn't, mm. they didn't pass to, to a random coach, to the legend captains of the club, leaders leaders mm -hmm. that they could actually with this foundation do something special and i think both did the same thing victory mm -hmm. did it with with from kench uh, from Ench to to kevin musket and mm -hmm. and, and Corica, you know took took over for from of of Grianano. and both they did exceptional amazing and now what i feel from Sydney, that they established themselves to the winning mentality big time, that they're cruising on that. They're cruising. It feels like they're waiting to someone to pick it up and, and do the challenge. Um, mm -hmm. I feel that now that they, they, they've been established. I don't know if they play unbelievable well, but also they were, they were actually really, really strong on keeping the number 10, the number 10, Ninkovic. Mm -hmm. What a player. What a player as well. You know, and they they did what they could to keep this man. And this man embraced the culture, embraced the Sydney spirit, winning mentality, um, and, 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 and surrounded by talented players like um, Caceres, like thousands of, 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 of kids that play good football. I love that. Mm -hmm. It's been great to see. Um, a couple of um, quick mentions as well, some other news items uh, to take note of that have occurred in sort of the past week uh, or last couple of weeks, really. Um, Brisbane Roar, of course, have appointed Warren Moon, so we saw him take charge as well, um, and it's fantastic that they've finally got some stability there. Ryan Grant of Sydney SC has pulled up with a groin injury, so that was something that we were quite concerned about and um, paying more paying attention to, to sort of what the situation was like because he'll be a key figure for Sydney FC going forward, so we wish him a very speedy recovery as well and Melbourne Victory goalkeeper Lawrence Thomas has also signed for a Danish club so we wish him all the very best. The Victory bidding farewell to a host of players particularly from within their W League side as well so it's interesting to see a lot of movements occurring in and around there. Um, Marcos Flores my gosh we are in absolute awe of you. Thank you so so Thank much. You time to come and chat to us here today. I mean, the, the engagement from the fans has been through the roof. They absolutely love and adore you. Um, and that's really because you're such a wonderful, authentic, genuine human being. You have so much love and passion for the game. I'm so glad that we here in Australia are still able to benefit from that love and that passion for the game. So thank you for, for joining us. Thank you for pouring so much of your love back into the game. Um, once again, reiterating, we were so sad to hear about the loss of your father, but we're so delighted that you were able to find that love and recapture that passion for the game once again. So thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you very much, guys, Nick and Lucy, to having me. Um, a big a big kiss to the sky to Les and Johnny, um, that they are the spirit of SBS. 
Um, mm-hmm. and, and every time that I that I see in the world game, um, I, I kind of stop thinking about what the, the legacy. Um, and yeah, and I'm and I will be pushing uh, in 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 the youth to to help as much as possible. Uh, I'm blessed to be in Australia, and thank you for having me. And anytime, anytime I will be able to to help you guys to collaborate with you. Well, you will be back for sure because we'll be banging on your door to have you back. And, um, you know, you're well and truly one of us. You are an Australian and we love you and thank you for all of your contributions to the game and to the to the football community as well. A-League Memes, you pointed it out and thanks for jogging my memory. Lawrence Thomas got a mention but not Dean Buzanis. Yes, of course. How could I forget Dean Buzanis also moving on from Melbourne City? He made that announcement recently. Um, any guesses on where he's going, Stolich? Or I haven't missed that announcement yet, have I? He hasn't made an announcement on where he's signing yet. No, but his partner, Steph Catley, has obviously just moved to London to play with Arsenal, so I wonder if it might be somewhere similar geographically. Maybe he's going to Arsenal. That would be incredible. <laughs> he's I going don't to, think so. Is he going but... to somewhere in London, somewhere within the vicinity? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But that's where that's where I would be going. But, uh, yeah, wonderful thing. I just wanted to point out, actually, someone asked, um, here we have Martin uh, Ventura Motte, actually asking out of curiosity, does the World Game have a podcast on Spotify? Because I'd give it a listen. We do. This show goes up on any podcast feed that you have. We put it up about one hour after the show. So you can listen to it if you can't watch it live. But, of course, we love you watching it live because then we can get great comments like this from uh, from Martin with his wonderful profile picture of Barcelona. Vamos. That's why you're up there. That's why you're <laughs> bastard. My God. Get rid of the bastard. Apologists already. <laughs> right, yeah, we do. We do have a podcast, so check it out there if you can't. We're also on uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube for this show, uh, and we really appreciate the engagement. So if people can like and and give us the reactions and share it with their friends. We really appreciate that because it's been growing quite nicely. And let us know, you know, what guests you want on the show because we know that a few people have said, "Ah, oh, get Marcos on the show." In fact, we saw Marcos you commenting, and that was one of the reasons that we were like, "Oh yeah, we should get Marcos on the show." And what a show Thank it has you. been. I would just say, you know, I think we would have loved you uh, if you had done none of the stuff that you did off the field because you were such a wonderful player on the field. I would have been like, man, remember Marcos Flores? What a player he was on the field. But what a legend and what an example you are to all of us uh, off the field. So, yeah, thank, thank, you. thank you from everyone, I think. It's a lot. It's a lot for me. Thank you for having me. And we wish you all the very best, of course, with the news of your impending arrival with baby Flores on the way due in October. We hope that it's around your birthday because that will give you double reason to celebrate, Marcus. Good, so I can save I can save my present and I give I, I give to him. <laughs> You're such a see already selfless for his future son. You're a beautiful man, Marcos. Thank you so much. And to all of our fans, we love you guys. This is, you know, as Stolip said, we love engaging with you. This is the reason why we get together to talk about not just on Wednesdays about the world game and the broader narratives around football, but this Thursday program uh, live from 1.30 Australian Eastern Standard Time every Thursday is deliberately to discuss the A-League. So we want to talk about Australian football. We want to promote our game. It's our game. And that's the message that I keep pumping out to everybody. We've got to start pouring some love back into Australian football. It's been so divisive for so long and it is up to us to kind of come together as a football community and start supporting our only product that we've got here. So keep going strong, guys. Wherever you are across the country, tuning in 
We hope that you're staying safe, particularly those of you down in Victoria. Uh, we're thinking of you very much so, so make sure you take care of each other and stay healthy as best as you can and look out for your loved ones. Um, but as I said, head to the World Game website to uh, check out that Ufuk Tale interview as well as many other bits of content. Um, we've got news articles, videos, opinion pieces doing the rounds. That is your one-stop shop for all things football-related. We'll be back with you again next Wednesday from 1 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time with another special guest and beyond. So on behalf of myself, Stolich, and the great Marcos Flores, it's been a real joy to be with you here today. But for now, though, it's goodbye from all of us here at the World Game. Ciao. Thank you.